All right, welcome to episode two of 10 out of 10 reviews. 10 out of 10, the most expensive stereo equipment. Today we're gonna to be doing some true crime stories, kind of from around the world. I've got a story from Russia, Michaela's got one from our home state of Utah, and Max has a funny one to lighten the mood. I hope that's what it does. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Ideally, it lightens the uh, mood. It's a pretty good one, I think it'll, I think it'll do the test. So I'm going to start us off today with a story that's coming out of Russia. It's a serial killer couple who has killed and eaten at least 30 victims. Holy shit. So the two people that they've caught are Natalia Bakshiva, she's 42 years old, and her husband, Dmitry Bakshiv, a.k.a. The Devil, which is... <laughs> that's quite the title to have given himself. Um, they've also been questioning their friend, Roman Sidrov, who is nicknamed The Angel. And we'll get into why they're questioning him as well. So like I said, 30 victims, they have killed and eaten. And this is 30 victims that we know about. So they caught them recently because of a cell phone that was found near a bag of mutilated body parts. On the cell phone, there were just tons of pictures of them eating people. <laughs> so not only did they take these pictures, because, oh, what a fun time, they forgot the cell phone at the bag of mutilated body parts. What the fuck were they doing? Trying to start an Instagram account? <laughs> I can't imagine a more efficient way to confess to a crime. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrifying. Um, they lived on a military base in the town of Kransodar. This is a Russian word, so I don't know how you actually say it, but I'm going to go with Kransodar and... So they just got caught, but police searching their house have found pictures dating all the way back to 1999. Retro Yes. That's at least 18 years of cannibalism that these two have been committing. Their cannibalism is old enough to wow. be drafted. Yeah. So that... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, obviously. Of course it can be drafted. <laughs> that was dumb, but... <laughs> so... From 1999, at least 30 victims, and this is when they started taking pictures of their victims, and that's horrifying. Some highlights of their photos include a head on a platter of fruit. Very artistic. At least they're classy. They're eating healthy. Let's <laughs> eat the rainbow all day. Get your, get your six servings of fruit and veg. Your favorite vitamin C. I just, I think it's funny that they, they cut off the head and they're like, you know what would be good? You know what would make a good picture? <laughs> Or were they just doing the Instagram thing, taking a picture of their food to be more popular? I'll bet that's what they were doing. They just didn't have Instagram in 1999. They just posted it up on their like, bedroom wall. And they're like, brother, look at my Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, now the, the way that these people were finding their victims, I think, is the best. They were using dating sites. They were using apps like Tinder. But it wasn't the wife and the husband who had these apps. It wasn't them using their, themselves to lure in people. They had their friend set up dating profiles to lure lonely women to be eaten. Did their friend know that? He says that he didn't. Of course he does, though. But they say that he did. So he probably did, because why the fuck would they lie now? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say he undoubtedly knew. 
Why did they need a friend's dating profile? Is he just hotter than the rest of them? Did you see his picture? Is he... They all look painfully Russian. Yeah. I was going to say, I've seen their pictures. It's not far to be hotter than them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, when I say painfully Russian, I mean these people, if you saw them in a lineup, you'd be like, oh, they're movie villains from the 90s. Okay. But they did not use the husband to lure in their victims because the wife is incredibly jealous. And the way, the reason that we know that she's incredibly jealous is they gave us a motive for their last victim. And Natalia told the officers who were interrogating her that they pickled their final victim for attempting to seduce her husband. It was just a waitress. She oh. was just taking their order at a restaurant and the wife is like, don't you dare try to fuck my husband. Oh man, sometimes, sometimes people who work as waitresses, they get real nice. Sometimes they even smile at you. Right? And then it's like, she must want to fuck you. Yeah, it's <laughs> Russia. You decently. No one smiles in Russia unless they're trying to fuck. Mm, I didn't think about that. So they pick up the final victim. When police searched the house, they found jars of other people's body parts. They found just like slabs of meat in freezers that were unidentifiable. They knew it was human. We don't know what part of the human it was. The scariest part of them is that not only did they kill these people, they skinned them alive. They would sedate their victims and skin them alive before they cut them up to eat them. For what purpose? They're insane and eat people. That's their purpose. Hey, it gets real boring in Russia. (laughs) They just needed to stay warm. The, the quiet and the cold could really drive you insane. Have you watched hockey? That's all we do is watch hockey. Yeah, of course I've watched hockey. We just finished watching hockey. <laughs> We're waiting for the next hockey to start. After that, hockey. <laughs> and then the view. We really like the view. <laughs> so, my favorite thing is that now that they've been arrested, the woman is complaining that she's being teased in prison. The other prisoners are chanting at her, did you eat enough human meat? It probably sounds meaner in Russian. I'm sure in, in <laughs> Russian. But, yeah, she's she's complaining that, oh, I'm being teased so much. And the husband is in solitary confinement because otherwise prisoners will beat him to death. That's fair. And he's complaining that he doesn't like being away from his wife. Hmm. Like, of course you're forced to be separated from your wife. You eat people when you're together. <laughs> this is this is my favorite part of all this. Is that like normal people when they when they get married and they settle down and they're a couple, they like gain a little weight because they eat more desserts. They they watch trashy TV. They develop bad habits. I don't think most of them are eating people. <laughs> At least some of them are eating people. Apparently. That's good. It's amazing. It's. It's the beginning of the perfect Russian love story. Natalia and Dimitri coming together to devour humans. And the crazy thing is, so they've been at this for 18 years. Dimitri is 35 years old. As early as we know, they started eating people when he was 17. So so it's probably like it was something that he liked to do and he like told her about it. And she was into it. Or, because they've been doing it together, they work 
together that whole time. She's slightly older than him. Maybe she was always eat, into eating dudes. My favorite, if you look at the pictures of them, the ones I've seen, she's just like kind of a goth chick, just real weird. She's got her dark bangs, and he's just like looks super messed up. So separately, I'm not surprised to find out either of them are cannibals, but they are two very separate cannibal stereotypes in my head. But they, they, they come together, and they bonded. Man, I hope one day I can talk to a vocal. <laughs> <laughs> it is the purest of all loves, the cannibal mm-hmm. love. I want to know who gave Dimitri and his pal Roman the nicknames the Devil and the Angel. Is that Them. something? <laughs> Baby, what should our nicknames be? I want to be Devil. What about you, Roman? I will be Angel, your other half. That's kind of fucking gay, but I'll let you ruin it. Because I call myself Devil. Ah. <sighs> That's all the information that has been put out. I've read every article that I could find on these people because as soon as I saw it pop up on Reddit, I was like, ooh, beautiful serial killer news. I love serial killers. So have they like gone to court yet? They've still not gone to court. They're just sitting in prison right now. They're sitting in Russian prison, which is worse than I can imagine. That's right. It was, it's Russia. They're not going to go to court for like another 10 years. If they ever get to go to court. So uh, Cannibal Couple, 10 out of 10, truest love. I'm going to go ahead and rate it as 10 out of 10, the best fruit platter. (laughs) I'll give it a 10 out of 10 because I'm jealous of their love for each other. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you got to find out someone you can just murder a person with and then eat them. There's 30. I also have a story, but I want to say right now, it's it's real brutal and it's really gross. I just want everyone to be aware before they, they buckle in for this adventure with me that it's pretty spooky. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, you know, it being spooky, it fits, as this is, it's still spooktober. Happy spooktober! <laughs> I'm not saying this. <laughs> I already did. I know we both said it, and it kind of felt like there was going to be pressure for me to say it, and I'm not. Alex said he was never going to say it, and then he did, so you know, I'm real happy about that. Yeah, so my story, it happened in 1974 in Ogden, Utah. So not too long ago, they still kind of once a year, everyone in Ogden gets kind of sad about it. If you Google hi-fi murders, one of the things that comes up is like how the town is still coping with it to this day. That's called the hi-fi murders. Because it takes place inside the Hi-Fi Stereo Store, uh, April 22nd. It was just a, a speaker store. They sold stereos and put them in your car for you. On April 22nd, at around 6 p.m., there's two employees in the store, Stanley Walker, a man who's 20, and Michelle Ansley, a woman who's 19. And 6 p.m., six men roll up. Uh, we've only identified three of them. Three of them took off, and we never figured out who they were. Three of them we know, Dale Selby Pierre, 22-year-old male, William Andrews, a 19-year-old male who was a pilot, and Keith Roberts. I think they all worked at Hill Air Force Base, I think they all worked at. Yeah, I think when I when I read this, they were all Air Force employees or service members, whatever you want to call them. So 6 p.m., rolls up, all six men, and they come in to the store, and they hold at gunpoint the two employees, Stanley and Michelle, and bind them in the basement and put them 
aside while they carry out all the stereo equipment out into their car. Four of the men, they get in that getaway car and they take off with a bunch of equipment. Two of the men, Dale Selby and William Andrews, they stay behind because they're psychopaths. They're monsters. These guys suck. Uh, because they've taken so long to raid the store and overcome the employees, the store should be closed at this point. And so Courtney Naisbitt, a male 16-year-old, I'm going to call him Court because I think it's rare for guys to go by their full name when they're named Courtney. I've met people named Court. I've never met a man named Courtney. That's fair. He shows up. He's a friend of Stanley's from school. He wanted to ask him some questions about stereo equipment. And he is also uh, bound and put in the basement by Dale and William. In this time frame, Orrin Walker, Stanley's father, shows up to figure out why his son hasn't come home yet. He's also bound, put in the basement. This takes so long that Carol Nesbitt, Court's mom, shows up to try to figure out where her son is. She's also bound, put in the basement. Got it. So the, the lesson for today is don't be a good parent. Yeah. If your kid doesn't come home from work, just kind of hope he's getting laid and don't follow him. <laughs> <laughs> you should hope that for all of your children. So at this point, they've got... Stanley, Michelle, Courtney, Oren, and Carol all in the basement. And they go downstairs and they give Oren, the oldest, the 43-year-old father, a big old bottle in a paper bag with something blue and thick. And they lie to him and they tell him it's vodka and sleeping pills. And it'll knock them out and they'll forget who the killers were and they can wake up later and everyone will get away and everything's fine. But Oren isn't an idiot. And he knows Drano when he sees it. So he refused to cooperate. He refuses to make the other hostages drink this Drano. So they gag him, they tie him up again, they untie him, and leave him face down on the ground. The killers then force feed this Drano to the other hostages. And I don't know if you've ever worked with Drano, it's pretty important that you don't get it on your skin. It's really caustic, really bad for you. Uh, their lips blister on contact. Ugh. Uh, the skin started to peel away. It was basically dissolving their flesh. It was really gross. It is gross. I'm sorry. And they're convulsing, and they're kind of foaming at the mouth. And so they, they give everyone this Drano. They try to duct tape their mouth shut to keep the Drano in it. But the duct tape won't stick because it's just peeling away the blistering. Ooh. Ooh, that's gross. It is real gross. Apparently oh, duct tape can't fix everything. <laughs> that's the one thing it won't seal. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to puke? Are you going to be okay? I'm going to be okay, but it was real gross, Max. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Michelle Ansley, the 19-year-old girl, she says, I don't want to die. I'm a pretty girl. Don't kill me. And they say, all right. And they don't give her any Drano. She lets out. Uh, Oren, the father, who has been around a while and recognized the Drano immediately and refused to play along, he takes the Drano, he's watched all these people, and he dribbles it back out without swallowing and pretends to convulse and pretends to foam at the mouth because he wants them to believe he's been poisoned when he hasn't. He wants to get out of here alive. He's playing the game smart, like a Saw movie. It's pretty horrible. I want to stop for one second. So that still had to be incredibly painful and awful. If on contact, it's blistering. Mm-hmm. Ooh. But he still had the, he still had the, like, the mental... Like strength to be like, just pretend like you're dying too. He's a, he's at least a little bit of a badass. Yeah, because right now it's Oren, it's his son, it's two of his son's friends, and it's 
his his friend and neighbor, his son's friend's mother. And so he is probably taking it upon himself, like, I have to yeah. get my family out of here, right? So he is trying to do everything he can to get out of the situation and be smarter than the killers. But I do want to point out, the reason uh, the killers thought that they could just make people drink Drano and that they would just die quietly was because he watched a Dirty Harry movie called Magnum Force. <laughs> and in... <laughs> that, was, that was a surprisingly light note. In the movie, someone someone drinks it and they die spectacularly and quickly as Hollywood would prefer our deaths to go. That's not how it happens. These people are convulsing and crying and being like vomitingly sick for so long that the killers get frustrated and pull out a gun and just start shooting. So they had a gun this whole time and they were still like, oh, let's do the horrible messed up thing and make them drink drain cleaner. The movie made them think that the drain would be a really quick death that you maybe couldn't tie back to the killers. Uh, bullets have, they can match guns, they can match weapons, that kind of thing. They were trying, they thought this was a good idea. I guess, but jeez. Uh, so they shoot the mother and son, they shoot Court and Carol right in the back of the head. They die quickly. It's... I'm glad nothing else happened to Carol, I guess, because Michelle is not so lucky. They aim at Oren, they miss him completely, they aim at Oren again, they graze his head, he feigns death. He's got blood pouring out because the scalp bleeds heavily, he can kind of pass for someone who's been shot when he's just been grazed. I'm like rooting for this game. Oren fakes his death and continues going, tries to be unsuspicious, hoping the killer's will leave soon, and that he can, like, get up and find help. It doesn't go that way. A lot of people are more sensitive to sexual violence than they are to other kinds of violence, so I think a lot of our viewers might prefer to skip the next 30 seconds to a minute of conflict. They point the gun at Michelle. She hasn't drunk any drink. She's still cute 19-year-old Mormon girl, right? So, what does a fucked-up psychopath do? He makes her undress at gunpoint. He rapes her. He drags her to the bathroom because she asks if she can go to the bathroom. And he watches her pee, he watches her clean herself up, he drags her naked body and tosses her onto the pile of dead people and shoots her in the head anyway. Oh, man. Uh, Orin is still alive at this point. He's can see what's going on, he's trying to fake death, but as they're moving the bodies around to like get them out of their way and things, they notice Orin is awake and he's fine. So they try to garrote him. They find a piece of cord, they wrap it around his neck, they try to strangle him. That's failed. It's clear that Dale and William, the killers, have never killed anyone before. They're, they're not doing well, they think everything's going to go quickly and quietly like in a movie. And finally, I want to know whose idea this is, because this would never come to my mind. They put a pencil into his ear hole. He's lying on his side, the pencil in his ear hole. And they stomp on it. What? And so it punches his eardrum. It goes at a down angle and comes out his throat on the other side underneath the jaw. And so he's been severed through the neck. It's pretty horrifying. And satisfied that they've killed all these people, they fill their car with the remaining stereo equipment and leave, as if nothing had happened. Jeez. A few hours later, Mrs. Walker, Oren's wife, Stanley's mother, is like, wow, my kid never came home from work. My husband went to go find him, and he hadn't come home. So she gets her other teenage son. He's a little bit 
younger than Stanley. And they go to the stereo store to try to figure out what's going on. And they hear noises in the basement because at this point, actually, I don't know what could be making the noises because the killers, Dale and William, have already left, but they're suspicious of the noises they're hearing in the basement. So they bash down the door and get down there and they find all of the victims and they call the police and the police get there as quickly as they can. A few hours after Mrs. Walker finds the body, two teen boys are dumpster diving outside of Hill Air Force Base. In the garbage, they find purses, wallets. They recognize the driver's licenses and the identification in these wallets as matching the names and faces they just seen on the breaking news on television before they went dumpster diving. So they call and they say, hey, we found a bunch of evidence. An anonymous tip calls the police because someone has seen the news briefing and worked with Dale and William. And he says, hey, William Andrews used to joke all the time that one day he was gonna rob that hi-fi stereo store, kill anyone who gets in his way, and die rich. Jeez. Hmm. The police are examining the crime scene and there's a group of airmen around because they're pretty close to the Air Force Base, they need crowd control, it's a closed area. And the police suspect airmen because of the anonymous tip, because of the dumpster diving. So they do a pretty clever thing. They overact everything. They wave the evidence around. Oh, we've got a killer's blood on this piece of fabric. Oh, look, there's fingerprints on this bottle. So there's two guys in the airmen group who are not doing their jobs. They're freaking the fuck out. They're biting their nails. They're swearing under their breath. They're pacing back and forth. And the police are like, gee, I sure hope the killers don't know that we have their hair and the men are freaking the fuck out trying to look innocent, but they're scared to death because they know they're caught. So the police see the two men, it's Dale and William, and they look through all their records, everything, and they find out these two men recently rented a storage unit. They check the storage unit, guess what's in it? A shit ton of stereos stolen from Hi-Fi Stereo Store. So. They know the killers because of a lot of evidence and because they were the robbers. They are able to figure out one of the men who left in the getaway car earlier. So we only have three names. We know there were six people in this story. Dale Selby Pierre and William Andrews are sentenced to death in 1987 when the court case is finished. Keith Roberts is sentenced five to life uh, for driving the getaway car. They can prove that he had no knowledge of the murders. He didn't know what was going on in the store after he left. Keith Roberts got parole after a little while, and he's now living a really quiet life and presumably wishing he had stopped it. I know I would. I'm sure any normal person. That is for radio equipment? For radio equipment. No, it wasn't for the radio equipment, though. That was just, we're going to rob it. And they're like, we're also going to do this, though. Yeah, I guess if Dale and William weren't monsters, they would have left in the getaway car with the other four. Yeah. Because if it was just like a robbery, they would have just tied them up in the basement and cleared the store out, and then all of them would have just left. Jeez, it's so horrible. Like it. And so there's a reason why when you Google hi-fi murders, a lot of what comes up are every year, just another, every April, another news story that's and the town copes and the town mourns and we move forward after one of the more brutal murders in the U.S. and definitely one of the most in Utah. I honestly don't have a lot to say after that. Yeah, it's it, not a funny one. It's 
it's not exciting like Cannibal Couple because it's horrible and sad and somehow more monstrous. I suppose it's probably not more monstrous for you. Yeah, I think what it is, we are very detached from the concept of trapping and eating people. But I think we've all worked shitty jobs. Michelle Ansley had only had that job at the stereo store for less than a week before the mother showed up. Damn. That sucks so bad. She hadn't even gotten paid for the job yet. Oh, God. No, she hadn't. Fuck. She had worked for free and then was murdered for it. Do you think the paycheck went to her parents? Probably not. They probably canceled they just, the paycheck. Do they think they just canceled it because that would be easier? I don't know what you mean. No, this isn't funny. We cannot do this. We can't do this. It's easier to laugh. It's not funny. Jeez. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. If you are the owner of the stereo store, what the, what do you do to like hurt their family less? I don't know. I guess you hand them the check for what was undoubtedly... Not the minimum wage in 1974. Not enough fucking money for her life. <laughs> Here's the 20 bucks she earned, maybe. Sorry she's dead. And all because some asshole watched Dirty Harry Magnum Force. Damn you, Dirty Harry yes. Magnum Force. That's what we gotta do. We gotta protest Clinton. <laughs> I'll do it. Alright, well. On a lighter note. I'm, we gotta rate it still. I don't wanna rate it. 10 out of 10. The most expensive stereo equipment those men ever received. It cost five innocent lives, and the lives of the two killers when they were executed. I'm going to give it 10 out of 10, Team Orin, because I'm Team Orin. You were rooting for him. Uh, I'm going to give it 10 out of 10. Please stop. Stop killing people like that. Just shoot him in the head. Right? Do you know what the worst part is? Stereo equipment isn't worth much anymore because everything's kind of digital. <laughs> yeah, it... So not only it's just all that stereo equipment was just thrown away. Yeah, I'm sure all the stereo. Do you think they gave it back to the store and the store sold it to someone else? I'm sure it was oh all thrown God. away. Oh my Went to the same place her paycheck went. Luckily, those teenagers were weird and dumpster diving. I'm glad that happened. That's a weird thing to do. It seems like, but maybe in the 70s it was okay. Yeah. I bet you find cool shit in the dumpster outside the Air Force Base, though. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what you find in the dumpster. We'll go to an Air Force Base and we'll dig around in the dumpster and see what we find. I don't want to do that. Maybe we'll find some wallets and purses. I especially don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to accidentally uncover murders. Or do we want to uncover all the murders? What if we become Alex Jones, but we're right every time? As long as I'm right while being Alex Jones, I guess it's fine. All right, Max, what do you got for us? All right, so we're going to go over to Houston, Texas. There's a dude working in a Harris County morgue named Dave Murray. He's a weird dude. But some, I guess some organs go missing. So the FBI are like, he's doing it. I don't know why, I don't know what prompted them to investigate him. He was probably the only one that worked there or some shit. It's probably a small town. So I guess they get a search warrant for his house. They find 3,178 embalmed human penises <laughs> in his house. He's just, he's just collecting wieners. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just got a penis collection. That is a ton. So how long did he work at that the morgue that he has upwards of three thousand? 
Oh, God. It was only like 10 years. That's got to be like one a day, I think. He's taking one a day and maybe a couple extra on Fridays. <laughs> it was got to be a good weekend. All right, so the FBI said, they released the statement saying, there were shelves everywhere filled with hundreds of glass jars. Each of them contained a penis floating informally. Where did he get that many jars? There was not that many. I don't know. If you go to the grocery store, it's like $20 for six. Maybe he was just rolling up to the container store in the mall. <laughs> oh. oh no. <laughs> the cashier lady at the container store, she's like, you're in here every week. What do you use them for? And he's like, pickles. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> One can only hope that that's what he said. Oh boy. Oh, he is the ultimate thief. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, it's fake news. Ah, you got me. I was hyped for it. I was really excited. It is yeah. unfortunate. I guess it was too good to be true. I'm still going to post that guy's picture on the Facebook page because <laughs> he looks like a true American hero. I want to know, if that guy's not a wiener thief, why does he look like that? <laughs> right? Who is he actually? I don't know. Because it's... Meth head? Maybe. Based on his hair, I'm going to say 40% chance at the least that he's a meth head. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rate the wiener thief so many dicks. <laughs> 10 out of 10, too many dicks. I'm giving him 10 out of 10, the ultimate thief. <laughs> 10 out of 10, just the right amount of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, looks like that's the end of the episode. Uh, we have set up a bunch of different social media things. So you can follow us on Facebook at 10 out of 10 reviews. You can follow us on Twitter, which is at 10 out of 10 pod. That's one zero O U T T A one zero pod. We have a Tumblr, which is 10 out of 10 pod.tumblr.com. And you can always email us at 10 out of 10 pod at gmail.com. And so I'm Alex. I'm Michaela. And I'm Max. And thank you guys for listening.